1: Will it stick?
0: <laughs> Good afternoon, Alexis.
1: You're looking mighty fine today. <laughs> she just... Do you want to describe into... it? Yeah, I'm just getting into character and going to a disco party on Saturday. Like, I'm going to post a picture of her outfit right now because she's wearing like a curly
0: kind of like fro wig, very curly, very tight curls. She's got these giant mirrored sunglasses on.
1: It, and you you know, workout it's,
0: outfit. It's,
1: it's a look. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear something crazy? Yeah. My mom used to perm my hair like this when I was little. My mom permed my hair like, too. I'm traumatized. And I already had curly hair. Me too. But she, this is so embarrassing. She would do these perms that she would make me sleep in the curlers at, or whatever. And then my it would be like... Stuck to my head, and you'd have to like poof it out. I'm like, I'm very traumatized. Why did they do never? That to don't us. ever do that to your children. Why
0: would I ever perm anyone's hair? Like it, it is. Do people still
1: get perms? No, it's. I don't think so. <laughs> do, you John, get, do you get perms? Wait, if John Chad heard this, he'd be really embarrassed. But he asked if he should get a perm before Saturday night. Oh my god, no! He can wear a wig. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody has should. like afro hair already.
0: Nobody should perm their hair. Like I don't think it still exists. Will someone write in and tell us? Like write in, (laughs) write us a letter letter. (laughs) and tell Tell us us if you perm your
1: hair, like, or do you still? You know what the other thing is? I mean, it smelled like horrible, and I had to sleep with it. My mom, like, that's like putting chemicals on your (laughs)
0: kid. A lot of chemicals. Like, no wonder, Alexis. That makes so much sense. (laughs) How many perms did you get? I don't know. I'll have to ask (laughs) (laughs) Beck. Okay, well. Alexis, yes. today we're talking about someone who is quite notorious. Who? Perhaps you know him. Notorious B.I.G.? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't have many fun facts about that guy. Lindsay Rothermond, she's your girl, called Shoot her, her up. a lot. Okay. Yes, but no, not Notorious B.I.G. Let me just describe him for you and maybe you can guess. Okay. Mosquitoes refuse to bite him purely out of respect. He can slam a revolving door. He has inside jokes with complete strangers. His shirts never wrinkle. Bulls flat out refuse to fight him. And, Alexis, he
1: once parallel parked a train. The most interesting man in the world. You got it! (laughs) In a past life, he was himself. If opportunity knocks and he's not home, opportunity waits. He gave his father the talk. He is the most interesting man in the world.
0: I don't always drink Peter, But when I do, I prefer those eggies. Stay thirsty, my friends.
1: I feel like I've never heard those facts at all about him. There are so many
0: one-liners because this campaign ran for a decade.
1: Oh, my God. I
0: mean, there's
1: hundreds of them. You know what the crazy thing is? Remember Aubrey? Yes. Her dad, splitting image of him. What? Wait, splitting or spitting? (laughs) (laughs) Splitting image. Spitting. Oh, spitting. (laughs) Oh, we're a little punchy. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what I mean. He (laughs) looked the same. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Did he really? I'll have
0: to see a picture. Well, yes. We are talking about the most interesting man in the world. He was very interesting. Okay. So it was 2007 when we first met him. Do you remember those commercials
1: at all? I I mean, yeah, I do. I remember him, like, sitting by a fireplace. He did so many things. Like – That's the only one I remember.
0: Well, Dos Equis brought us the magic of the most interesting man in the world. And this campaign has a really cool and interesting and weird story.
1: Okay. I want to hear it.
0: So this campaign was essentially created out of spite and kind of as a joke. And it ended up somehow being one of the most iconic and memorable ad campaigns, like, ever. That's crazy. And it, like, literally started out with… A duo, a creative duo, being like, fuck you, because they were sick of working on the account. No way. I swear. Yep. And this campaign took Dos Equis from an obscure Mexican beer with, like, kind of so-so regional sales. Yeah. To be one of the leading beers in the United States.
1: Yeah, all I remember because so I went to like Mazatlan and all these places in college for spring break, uh-huh. and we ended up going this like Dos Equis tent, and this was before the most dangerous yeah, yeah. man in the world, and it was just like Corona. It was like so basic, but it was like the just a Mexican beer that was like party wild crazy. Like there was no, I don't ever remember being there like being a campaign around it. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally.
0: Well, yeah, I was thinking back to when I was in college, like oh one to oh five. I mean, I was in Ohio, so if I mean, really Dos Equis was a regional player in the U.S. at that point. So, like in Arizona, you probably would have heard of it, yeah. But like, no one was drinking Dos Equis in Ohio. It was like Miller Lite, Bud Light, Natty Light, and maybe, maybe on a good day, a Heineken. Did (sighs) you have Corona? No. Oh wow. I mean, I never, I did not see it in college. I was from Arizona, so when I come home, I would always want Corona Light. Like that was the beer I chose. Oh wow, Um, that's interesting. But I don't remember Dos Equis in my college days at all. So Dos Equis was first brewed actually in 1897. Crazy. It was originally called Seaglow XX, which means 20th century. And it wasn't brought to the U.S. until 1983. So it had a whole like hundred years of just being a Mexican Mexican beer. beer. And so when it was imported to the U.S. for the first time, it was just kind of there. It was a little-known beer with a really small budget compared to, like, the bigger beer players in a super crowded category. I found an article from the New York Times from 2004 that said that Dos Equis was selling somewhere around 5 million cases per year in 2004. That same year, Corona was selling 100 million cases a year. Oh, my God. They were just a nobody. Wow. I want to go back to 2006 where this kind of all begins. Okay? Okay. So at that time, there was something like 260 advertisers spending a combined $1.2 billion a year to get customers' attention on beer. And Dos media budget was something like $6 million a year. Nothing. What? Yeah, nothing. It couldn't even compete, right? Pennies. So customers had so many choices for beer. They had 2,700 choices to be exact. And Dos Equis was losing the battle compared to its Mexican counterpart, you know, Corona, which you already heard. They were selling, I mean, so much more beer more. than God. Dos Equis. And at the same time in 06, craft beer was on the rise, which I know you know because you and your hubby are like the craft beer drinkers. Yes. Like, And this made it really hard for a lot of beer brands, but especially Dos Equis, to capture any attention and sales because they were an import and yeah. everyone else was like moving
1: to craft beer, you know? And a, you want to drink like Mexican pea beer. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, some of it tastes really bad. I'm not going to lie. My but husband loves Dos Equis. I, I only like Dos Equis Amber. Okay. Is there like a big difference? No, I don't I mean, the lager is good, but it's like it still has like this skunky taste to me. But I can't look at you straight, like honestly, because you just like
0: I <laughs> Can see you myself. See my eyes? No, I just see myself and I like can't read your reaction. Like I feel like I'm podcasting with a total rando. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm you know what, I have like so many wigs. I'm just gonna start wearing wigs and showing up to this podcast room. Like, like why hey, would you even why do your are, hair? I know. I might like you really could do it. Okay. Just all I ask
0: is like, when we have new business meetings… Can I not wear this? Could you not wear it? (gasps) So along with that craft beer trend, millennials, specifically millennial men, they were actually the core demo that the brand was like, we got to, we have to get this group. They were not loyal to any specific kind of alcohol at all. Trends were showing that They might choose an imported beer one day, and then the next day, a specialty cocktail, and then maybe a craft beer, and then maybe wine, or maybe all four in the same day. Like, they're they just the 20 college kids, yeah, yeah, the 25 year old, whatever. Like, they're like,
1: they go to a frat party, like, what can you get me to drink? Yeah, like, they even
0: graduating college. You know, 24, 25, like they just, you know, didn't
1: have the money. I'm not gonna say just men because I feel like that's how we were in college. Yeah. I don't think I had like my signature drink until, and I wouldn't like drink anything else. Yeah. Like now it's like now I either have this, these things, or I'm like, uh, no, I don't yeah. wanna drink.
0: Yeah, I'm the exact same way. We're way too bougie these days, but. Yeah, in college, no. I mean, I was like, I would for sure have a vodka soda dip rum and diet one day, and then I would be drinking Natty Light the next day. Oh, my God. Uh, so embarrassing. Porch punch, probably, too. But yeah, so like that was a problem because they there was no consistency. Like, no there loyalty. Was no loyalty. And this was stressful to the beer industry because this was a super important demographic for them that they had relied on forever. I mean, if you think about it, through the 50s and 60s and 70s, like frat – boy beer drinkers. Like, that was the demo for these beer brands. Yeah. And they just were drinking the cheapest, the highest alcohol Milwaukee's content. like beast. Yeah. I remember
1: that one. Yeah.
0: So the agency that had the Dos Equis account was called Euro RSCG at the time, but now you would know them as Have Us. And at the time, two young creative guys named Carl Lieberman and Brandon Henderson were in their mid-20s. They were in the perfect demographic that Dos Equis was trying to go after. And they had been working on the account and they literally could not get out of this creative slump. It was boring to them, especially with the creative brief they had been given, you know, to create something cool for Dos Equis. The creative brief just said, Dos Equis is an authentic Mexican beer. <laughs> that was it. That was the that was tagline, the that was what they were going with. And these guys were like, this is fucking lame. They hated They hated the brief. It didn't mean anything. I actually listened to another podcast um, where they covered this campaign, and they went into details, like, with the creator. So there were some interviews. And the, one of the guys, I don't know which one, if it was Brandon or Carl, he said, like, that authentic Mexican beer made him think of those Mexican restaurants you see with, like, neon signs in the window that say, authentic Mexican food. And he's like,
1: if you have to say it,
0: like, probably not great. It's
1: like the drive-thrus that are here. Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, some of them are so good. Yeah, but, I mean, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. (laughs) You don't know what you're going to be waking up with in the morning. No. So the guys had
0: pretty much given up. Like, they were kind of like, we don't care. We're overworking on this account. And finally, the brand decided, okay, we will move on from the authentic Mexican beer. It's not working. It's not helping us compete with Corona. And they wanted to do something to get the duo inspired. So they sent them to Mexico City. And these dudes, I don't know where they're from, but they worked like in New York or Boston or somewhere on the East Coast for one of the offices for this brand. They were not used to going to Mexico like you and I are. They probably couldn't speak Spanish, had no freaking clue what they were doing. (laughs) So they literally said… They stayed at the resort the entire time because they had the scariest trip. They got lost. They almost got like run off the road driving. They just like turned in the rental car and just sat in the resort the whole time. So they didn't even get any cultural experiences.
1: Oh my God. I would have
0: been so pissed if they were my employees. Oh, jeez. But, anyways, they came back and the dudes were like, We have nothing to show for our trip. And their boss (laughs) walked into their office and was like, What do you guys have for the noon meeting? And they were like, Absolutely nothing. You said that? Uh-huh. And their boss was like, uh, get your shit together. You better have something for the noon meeting. Like, no question about it. So they got to work. In like two hours they came up with this? Well, ca- okay. not really. I think they iterated, like, I don't think they had the concept in that meeting, but it led to conversations. Okay. There was a planner at the agency named Caroline who had been working on some research to see if she could pinpoint a new strategy. And she knew that Corona was dominating, and Corona's messaging was all about relaxation, chilling on the beach. And it made sense that Dos Equis, like, wanted to move into more of, like, the adventure market and be, like, a fun brand that you might, like, you know, drink on an adventure, you know, okay. not drink relaxing on the beach. And basically, she and the team landed on this concept that those who drink Dos Equis wanted to be more interesting, like, wanted to live a more interesting life. And mm. it was a good idea, but, like, it wasn't rooted in anything more than just, like, like a to be more thought. interesting. Yeah. She was like, maybe people want to be more interesting. I don't really know. So she knew she needed more than that. So, like, she started digging in and just kind of, like, let it go for the day. And that night she went on a date. So she was on this date at this bar with this guy. And I think the guy had a friend with him. And she was listening to the guy she was on the date with telling this incredible story in first person, like as if it was his own story. But somehow she knew it was not his own story. He was like embellishing. He was fluffing it up. He was going on and on. And she called him out on it. She was like, she was like that, what? That's not you. That's not your story. And there were a few other guys around and they all just chimed in and they were like, who cares? Like, everyone does that. Everyone retells stories as if they're their own. Like, everyone just wants to, like, be able to be a good storyteller. I'm like, that's fun. That's social conversation. And she was like, what the fuck? She was so confused. No, I'm never going on a date again. So it was in that moment that she had, like, a light bulb that just went off in her head. She's, like, for this age group, these 20-something-year-old guys It was extremely important to them that they not be boring. They had this fear of being uninteresting, like almost more than anything else. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) So Caroline brought that insight to the agency. She was like, this is a weird way that I came about this, but I feel like it's a thing. And the agency was like, I mean, it kind of works. I think we could work with this. And so – They wrote up a brief that was a lot more unique, a lot more creative, and as part of the brief, all about, like, guys wanting to be interesting, she drew a picture. She she sketched this image of, like, the drunken storyteller at the bar, like, embellishing his stories. So that was on the brief that landed on the two guys' desks who had to come up with the creative concept. So then that new direction hit Carl and Brandon, and they didn't really buy it. Because they were the 25-year-olds in the demo that she was making fun of. Like, they read this brief, and they were like, um, no. What guy just wants to, like, be seen as interesting? Like, we're not scared of being boring. Oh, interesting. Okay. Of course. But they they really admit it, you know? And because they were so offended by it, they decided they were just going to have fun with it. They were like, fuck it. Already they were over the account. So they decided they would create a guy who was the polar opposite of boring. Someone who was the most interesting man in the world. And they totally created it to make fun of the brief because they thought it was bullshit.
1: Oh my God, how funny. And they landed on the biggest campaign for Dos Yep. And they actually drew inspiration from like a few other characters at the
0: time. I don't know if you remember this, but there was an SNL skit with Will Ferrell, where a bunch of dudes are sitting around toasting this infamous character named Bill Brasky.
1: Do you fellas know Bill Brasky? Hell yeah, I know Bill Brasky, big fella. Goes about 6'4, 280. Right. He loves his scotch. And he's yeah, a hell yeah. of a salesman. to Bill Brasky. Bill Brass. Oh, did you know Bill Brasky is the godfather of my son? Bill Yeah. He's a big fella, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's a big guy. He got about 6'7, 385. Well, anyway, he shows up at the church in his golf pants, caked in mud. Well, old Bill Brasky pushes aside the priest and says, I'll baptize that piece of calamari. And he pours scotch all over my baby son and says there, you're baptized.
0: <laughs> they like drew inspiration from that and like a few other things that were like culturally relevant at the time. And they presented the idea in the form of a one-page sheet of just taglines, basically. Not even taglines, copy. The reception to this concept was just like okay. Some people at the agency were like, this could be really big, it's kind of interesting. And some people were like, this is fucking stupid. So they pushed it forward because enough people at the agency were like, okay, this has something. It's it's certainly better than the old shit that we were, like, working with. The only problem was they had no idea how in the heck they would relate this back to beer. It was the guy, and it was the lines. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So the duo came up with one line. And that line was, stay thirsty, my friends. And it was good. Like yeah, it was really right that. good. But it wasn't good enough according to their boss Jeff Kling. He was like, "It's not enough of an ending. We need something else to tie it in, to make it make sense." And on the fly, Jeff came up with the idea. He said, "What if we end it with I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer a Dos Equis." Actually, the two guys, the young kids, they were like, Fine, great. Can we like leave now? Like they were they just like honestly were so over it. Instead of having one tagline, the suddenly this campaign had two, because they really liked stay thirsty, my friends, and then they liked the I prefer a Dosekis. So that addition of that second tagline was a really big risk to present to Dos Equis Because if you think about it, having a beer brand admit that people don't always drink beer. That's pretty risky. It seems like it's risky, right? Like, it seems like naturally the client would be like, why the hell would we want to say that? But Jeff really believed strongly in it. Like, he kind of felt like it made the campaign like an anti-ad. You know, it wasn't like, buy the beer. It was like, well, I mean, when I choose a beer, I choose this one.
1: Yeah. you It's like not in your face. Yes.
0: But really, what beer brand would, like, jump on that willingly? Probably not not many. And Dos Equis didn't jump on it right away. So the one liners were the most memorable part of the campaign and those were born just by those two guys literally writing them to make fun of themselves. So at first they wrote this whole brief just to like get it done making fun of this like research that this, you know, so called analysts at the company had come up with. They were like, fuck it. Here's the brief. And then people liked it. And then they were like, okay, I guess they like them. I'm going to write all these one-liners and we're going to write them by making fun of ourselves. So basically they would think of situations that like related to them and then they would like reverse it so that it would never happen to the most interesting man in the world. Like one example was trying to get money out of the ATM because, like, these guys talked about how they would have, like, $19 in their checking account and they would, like, try to find the ATM that would, like, let them, like, take $5 out. Oh, my and God. And so they wrote a line that said, he can take as much money out of the ATM as he wants and his balance will never change.
1: Oh, my gosh. So They probably had so much fun with they it. They
0: probably, like, drank so much and smoked so much weed just, like, brainstorming this stuff. Oh, my God. I love it. I know. It was, I mean, pure genius. The only rule was that they didn't want this dude's like exploits to be impossible. They wanted them to be like really big, really extreme, really ridiculous, Attainable. but like not so like crazy that it was like physically impossible. Yeah, like, in some cases. So at least that's how they started. As we get like later in the campaign, some things are a little bit like,
1: huh, really? You know, fake. But Like the Old Spice campaign. I mean, that was like, I mean, some of them were realistic, but others were like, okay, not any man does all of this.
0: No, there's no way. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? I would be amazing. <laughs> so we're at a point where like the agency loves the campaign, but so far it's just the agency. So they've written all these one-liners. They've hired a voice actor to read them. So like they have them read so they can play them for an audience and test them. But now they have to sell the campaign to the Dos Equis stakeholders. Which is crazy because they're like been this Mexican beer company, right? Well, the hard thing is there's two operating groups. Okay. So CCM was the brand's Mexican owner and then Heineken USA was the brand's North American partner. So they had to appease those two groups as well as the group of distributors. Because like there was a huge third group of just distributors who like had to buy in because they were the ones selling it. Yeah, so a lot of people to please, and that can be really impossible. I mean, when you have one client to please, that's impossible. That's Possible, let but... alone three. But they got lucky when a new Dutch beverage marketer named Willem was brought in as a decision maker for Heineken, and like he was young, he was hip, he got it right away. He was like, "This is pure genius," and. He made sure it got through Heineken. He was like, "This is gonna work. It's out. It's interesting. It's out there. It's it's going to get attention." But the CCM Group, the Mexican owners, thought it was a huge mistake. I yeah, mean, I bet. they were worried. They want like authenticity and yes, yeah. They were worried. Like, how can we call out that people don't always choose beer number one? And they were really concerned. Like, why would we use an old dude? Because they hadn't cast the part yet. But they like wrote out who they wanted to pursue. And it was going to be an old guy in these ads. And they were like, why would these 20 something year old guys want to buy beer from like this
1: old dude talking about it? Like they thought. Because well, they want to, I mean, I think it's obvious. You're obviously. correct. Yeah. They like want to be like, you know, if you think about it, like sometimes when you're at college, the. College kids are always like when dads come in and it's like a cool dad and he's like rich and wealthy and like so interesting. He's like, yeah, man, I going to be that dude when I'm older. They always like make him sound like the poor dad is like not that much older, but they're like... That dad was, like, so So cool. cool. Like, man, I want to be that guy.
0: Well, you nailed it. I mean, they, like, that's what they fought back with. They were like, absolutely, that is untrue. Like, we don't need to show a young dude to sell to young dudes. In fact, like, we should do the absolute opposite of that. And they also shared some research. So the agency had done some research that they had asked a bunch of guys in their 20s, like, what kind of person they would really believe would be saying these interesting statements. And they actually, like took the statements they wrote a bunch down and then put pictures of all different aged men on top and they had the guys pick who they thought would be like could really live a life like that you know and they all picked the grandpa yeah every single one of them and cuz they said someone our age is douchey, and a dad is just cheesy it's a it's a grandpa yeah
1: it's you like know? man it's that like guy a weathered it. Yeah. dude
0: who's like They're like he's
1: done so much i want to be that guy yep
0: exactly alexis so the agency was behind it, the Heineken team stood behind it, and they got the green light. No way. They got the green light. That's amazing. Yep. And they found the perfect actor, Jonathan Goldsmith. At the time he was sixty eight years young when he first got the gig. Oh, really?
1: And he had been an actor, but like I'm trying to look on Doseki, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. from it's- their Instagram, I mean, it's it's, it's been depressing. gone
0: since 2016. I'll tell I'll explain it. But Jonathan Goldsmith had already been an actor. He had starred in like 350 TV shows, a bunch of small parts, but literally no one knew who he was because he was just an extra practically. He had no money. He was like really struggling. And he was ready to retire and like just kind of give up. I mean, he was 68. I and mean, then he becomes a Noseki's man. Yeah. And so like the way it happened was – He got a call from his agent, and she explained the part, and he was like, okay, I'll I'll try it. So he actually – I think he either drove or flew – I can't remember where he lived at the time – to the audition, and he camped because he didn't –
1: Have enough money? I think.
0: Like, didn't have enough money for a hotel. Like, camped in a tent. Like, got dressed in, like, a camping bathroom and showed up and walked into this room and this room, this waiting room, was filled with all these attractive Latino men. And he literally almost walked out. He was like, why the fuck am I here? Like and am
1: he, this salt and pepper.
0: Yes. And he called his agent. And he's like, "This, there's no way. Like, This is a huge waste of time. She's like, Jonathan, just like give it a shot. You're already there. And he just thought in his head, you know what? At the very minimum, I can just make them laugh. Like, that's it, you know? Yeah. And that is exactly what he did. He made them laugh their asses off. He put on this accent. He used to, like, emulate one of his best friends who had this, like, weird accent. And he would do it for his friends. They would laugh forever. So when he got there, he's like, I'm just going to do the accent. And he did it. And he stayed in character the whole time. And, like, literally, they could not get enough. They were obsessed with him. A few months go by. He
1: gets a call back. And he's hired. Oh, my God. So you know what? I don't know what we have to do this for, but I really want to host an audition for something. Do you remember the, the talent agency next to us? Next to our old office? Oh yeah. my God, you guys, this <laughs> agency, there would be the weirdest things. Like I'd go to the bathroom and there was like someone like in a witch costume, like in the mirror, like pretending to be a witch. Or they were like, I mean- One I time d- there was a girl outside our office. I don't think she knew we could see her and she was practicing barking. Like a dog. Yeah. There's like the weirdest people. It must have been the funny. Like, how do you sit? Cause they remember those people, like the the people who worked there, they were so serious. Like, they would I remember sit in a watch row. and they'd sit like around like that, like the director's chairs. How could you keep a straight face? Like, I would either laugh my ass off or be like, you are the weirdest chick or I know. I would be so hard.
0: I know. I like secretly, actually,
1: it's not a secret because I'm go saying it. Yeah. Should I do it before I turn 40? <laughs> Yeah. You and Andrew should go together. Remember Andrew wanted to do it yeah. so bad. I know. What do you want to audition for? I would t- I would just audition, just to audition for like literally anything. What if you got some like really famous part? I wouldn't.
0: Cause it's like in Arizona, like what's super famous out of Arizona?
1: Like nothing. You never know. But if you're like this next chick on this huge commercial, what if you're the most interesting woman in the world? I mean, you can freaking make that shit up all the time.
0: Oh, you just killed my whole ending, Alexis. Damn. You and my, our brains are one. It's fucking creepy. Okay. Anyways, back to Jonathan. They hired him. They filmed some ads and the producer wanted the commercials to feel vintage as if someone had stumbled upon these like older tapes with these crazy experiences that this guy had. So he used, like, older cameras, older equipment to, like, get that vibe, which I loved. You love that. And I don't think people do that often. It's so creative. Yeah. And the other unique thing they decided to do was to show scenes that were different from the one-liner that the guy was saying. So if you watch the commercials back now, he'll be saying one thing. Like, he'll be saying, my shirt's never wrinkle, and he'll be fighting a bear in, like, the video.
1: You know what I mean? So it's just, like, constantly progressing. Constantly. It's all—it's just, like— all these crazy things. I just remember that like Paisley, wasn't he wearing like a Paisley jacket? He, Yeah, he had lots
0: of different. I don't know if he had the same outfit. i will have to watch back and see. So in testing, these spots performed better than any spot ever before through this testing company. Oh my like, God. Like immediately. Like consumers went nuts for these. So in 2009, Dos Equis was named the fastest growing import beer in the U.S., because of this campaign. And then in 2014, it was the fastest growing brand in America, all because of the most interesting man in the world. How crazy is that? Dos Equis tripled its business, with the number of cases shipped between 07 and 2015 increasing by almost 35% see it's all the marketing it's all the marketing and at the height of the campaign Dos Equis was spending somewhere between 36 to 42 million dollars per year on advertising and what just blows my mind is 50% of that ad budget was to print ads in magazines and then really yes and then like 28% went to cable tv well probably like us weekly cuz i remember they always had ads in us weekly it was all the big so insane. it was all the big like lifestyle magazines and so, twenty eight percent went to cable, twenty five percent to local radio. So it was like an interesting mix. But I was surprised just with like how dynamic and interesting the videos and the voice is. That like how did print print, would, print was like a high yeah. But I think people were still really hot on print. If you think about it, this is I mean oh six to you know twenty yeah like GQ
1: magazine yeah yeah Sports Illustrated I mean, it's all those so things, different yeah.
0: now I think I mean that's why print's dying sadly. But in 2016, this is where it gets sad. Dosekis decided to try to replace the most interesting man in the world with a younger French actor. Huge mistake.
1: Huge mistake. Come on, people. You don't take like an I that wouldn't be like be replacing the old space guy. Yeah, you can't. It clearly it did not work. It was a stupid idea. Stupid.
0: So what they did is they sent Jonathan Goldsmith to the moon in 2016, like in a, video, in a commercial, and they said he has a one-way ticket to the moon, and that was it. That was the end of him. I want to note, though, that Jonathan Goldsmith was paid $1 million per year for each year that he was working with the brand. Guess how many days of the year he actually worked? Ten. Five. Oh, my God. They would just film a bunch of commercials over five days, and that was it. And, I mean, he got paid the same as Flo, and I think she did way more commercials than him. All in all, this campaign is the most memorable beer campaign that we have seen so far in our lifetime. I oh, mean, I agree. There's some close competitors, but this by far is the one that is so memorable and stands out. And the agency was insanely smart to start with those consumer insights. I mean, even when they came to that conclusion themselves, the idea of, like, that guys want to be interesting, they rooted it in some kind of research and data, you know? And, like, that is what really made them be able to dive deep enough to, you know, get to this amazing campaign. And you know how we knew that this campaign was insanely successful, Lex, besides just the sales? Right. People were obsessed. I mean, they were copying it. They oh, yeah. They were parodying yeah. it. They were making memes. They were reciting, like, one-liners at parties like it was a movie. They dressed up like him for Halloween. It was a cultural reference way more than it was an ad campaign. I agree.
1: And once those Dosa- That's he- how you know you made it. If, like, your... Yes. Your, like, character... People want to dress up as Halloween for Halloween. Yeah, I mean, come on.
0: Or like memes. Think of memes all of the cr- memes. Yeah, you've seen a million of them. Like I don't always do X, but when I do, I do X. Like, but memes weren't as big then, right? But at the end, they were oh, because okay. you think this campaign ended in 2016, so like it, they were huge. That was like the height of memes. It was like Facebook. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, Instagram was popular then too because it came out in 2011 like or 10. Oh yeah. So, but. Yes, people were totally obsessed. And then once Doseki's replaced the like original guy with the newer, younger one, he was not interesting at all. Who do you have a picture of the young I'll one? show you him. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't look super young. He looks more like in his 40s, but he just did not perform. And it was really apparent because the new guy started coming on commercials and suddenly the YouTube views of the old commercials were skyrocketing. Because they missed him. Millions of views on YouTube for past commercials. And what's even funnier is the newer commercials on YouTube would get thumbs downs and would get, like, just a ton, like, flooded with negative comments. People hated him. They were pissed. Yeah. I mean, the the fact that people cared that much is enough to show you that this was an amazing campaign. Yeah. And I'm sad they killed it. Like, it's totally dead now. When they realized that the new most interesting guy was 0% interesting— they just kiboshed the whole thing. It, it was done. So no more most
1: interesting man in the world. And now it's boring. I mean, I like looked at their Instagram feed and it's like every other beer. Yeah, it's it's some campaign that's not. So it's crazy because, you know, Corona just, I worked on Corona when I worked at CK and mm-hmm. it was so boring to me. I'm like, if I have to see another stupid two bottles on a beach in a beach chair, I'm like, it was so basic and boring like for years and now I don't know if you saw Gibby did all those cool, like, Hispanic heritage, like, DJ, like, bringing the beer back to, like, its true roots. Like, their new campaign is really awesome. Who's the agency that's doing it? I don't know who the agency, I just, I saw like the productions that Gibby did? Well, you you said it earlier.
0: I was thinking, like, why don't they bring it back to be the most interesting woman in the world? And I thought I was, like, so original with that, you know? And then this morning, I'm getting ready. I have my ear pods in. I'm like, maybe I'll see if anyone else – I've already written this, and I'm like, maybe I'll see if anyone else has covered the most interesting man in the world. And I come across this little podcast – it is the guy version of Me and You. Oh I don't God. know how the hell I did not find it until just now. It's called Speaking Human, and it's these two guys who own an agency. They've been doing this podcast since, like, 2016. Wait, so we need to meet them. I know, since way before podcasting was, like, super big. The guys' names are Patrick Jebber and Shad Conley, and their agency is called Monsters Unlimited, and they're based in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, like, right down the street from where I went to college at Kent State. How random is that? But what they said, as I was listening this morning, blow during my hair, they go, "Well, someone should do the most interesting woman in the world." And I was like, "Damn, Damn. It. I am not original, and neither are you because you said it too." Dang. But let me tell you where they didn't where they didn't come through for me. What I wanted them to do was give me some most interesting woman in the world. One-liners. And guess what, Alexis? You did it. I did it for you. And Dos if you're listening, feel free. Just maybe shoot me some beer for my husband, you know? (laughs) Give me a couple cases. Yeah.
1: He loves it. We bought your daughters those onesies. Oh, those boobies. (laughs) Yes, you did.
0: (laughs) Okay, so here's what I feel like the most interesting woman in the world would do. She gives birth to perfectly healthy triplets naturally while taking a nap and wakes up feeling refreshed. (laughs) She runs marathons in five-inch Louboutins, and the red bottoms don't even have a scratch. (laughs) Her bad hair days make Heidi Klum and Giselle feel self-conscious. She runs a successful multi-million dollar business and is starting up three others. Volunteers at her kid's school, is at every practice or activity to cheer them on, works out every day, and is happy to get up every day and do it again. Oh wait, that's fucking real life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. So, Dos you can hire us. Yes, We're way I love cheaper it. than
1: your fancy New York agencies. Oh, my God. I would love to show, like, the woman running a marathon in luton In Louis her Louboutin. Vuitton. No,
0: Louboutin. She Louboutin. The red bottoms. Oh, my God. And, like, because if you have – I mean, I have a couple pairs. They get scratched in, like, five seconds.
1: And you pay that much money for them.
0: Yeah. I just sent a pair to get fixed, though. I know. But he promised me they're not scratchable anymore. So, we'll see. Anyways – I actually think this—you're going to hate that I'm going to say this. If they did the campaign now, it would have to be, like, the most interesting person in the world, and it would be they, them, like, all the pronouns
1: because, oh, I mean— dude, don't even get me started. I was in <laughs> California this weekend, and it was gender-neutral bathrooms and Which I don't have any problem with. No, I, you, I do not. They— but the guys pee on the seat. It's disgusting. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. If you're going to do gender neutral, like Make have a, a urinal bathroom. too yeah. and like say, do not, if you're a male, don't use this toilet. Use that over there. Yeah. It's gross. I, I don't know. like to share with guys.
0: Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I would not to. I mean, I have to.
1: four guys that I share <laughs> bathrooms with. You've seen my toilets. They're I know. disgusting. No, it is gross. Sometimes I walk in, I'm like, um... Has, does anyone flush around here? No, like, women's bathrooms should be pretty and dainty and feel cute. And, like, the man can have the freaking urinal in the toilet and, like, it's stark. So I, I agree with that. I and do then understand that. if you want a gender neutral… Just make a third bathroom. Just make a third bathroom. Like, I don't think… I am for gender neutral to, like, if you don't… If you're that hung up on men or women, whatever. But, like, you got to pick one at some point. You, you're in between. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Alexis, it's 2022… I don't know which way is up or down these days. <laughs> Whatever. So create a third one.
0: Create make, a third make
1: one. Make the women happy that are women and the men happy that want to be like grungy men and pee all over the seat. Fair. Fair, Fair, Fair assessment. assessment. There. There you, you go. There's it. my politics for today. <laughs> Three bathrooms. So let's
0: head back to Dosecchi's real quick to wrap it up. What do you think, Lex? I love it. I'm obsessed.
1: I know. Great campaign. I I just just want to do something, like create this wild campaign. Because I mean, we, I mean, the last campaign for Ohm that we created was pretty awesome. And we had so much fun brainstorming and it just led to like some pretty crazy taglines. But I think like something goofy as hell like this would be so fun.
0: It would be, I don't know if goofy would work for Ohm, but I think Something big with a character for sure. I just don't think goofy is the vibe.
1: Oh, not for home, but I meant like for another client. Oh, yeah. I just want to come up with something. Like I told, said, our realtor campaign thing. I know. I'm dying. Like it's racy.
0: Okay, let's give them a call. Okay, let me just share a few of the amazing sources for this episode. As I mentioned, there was a podcast that I listened to called Tagline, and it's run by a group that does the Clio Awards. And that is the annual award program that recognizes, like, creative ads. And their podcast is amazing, actually. They covered the Most Interesting Man in the World campaign on March 15th, 2021. New York Times had a great article from 4 all about how brewers are focusing on the Hispanic market. Time Magazine had a really good piece from March 2016 titled, Why Dos Equis Most Interesting Man Ad Campaign Was So Successful. And then Adweek's article from 2017 by Carolyn Goodman titled, The Most Interesting Man in the World is No Longer Interesting. That was a good one. And finally, Wikipedia for The Most Interesting Man in the World
1: was wonderful. That's amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And please give us a five-star review on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as always, follow us on Instagram and give us a shout out or, you know, tell us what you want to hear and all all of the things. Yeah. We hope you'll come back next week. Bye. Bye.